Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Tops. Rediscover Tops with the Journey to the Last Jedi trading card set now available at retailers and hobby shops everywhere. Also available as the Star Wars Card Trader app, as well as other trader apps available on Android and iOS devices. And don't forget to check out Tops.com for all the latest news, sets, and merchandise from the name in card collecting. Tops, rediscover the joy of collecting. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, it's a Friday night and we're on Chapter 2 of Stranger Things, The Weirdo on Maple Street as we re-watch, it's harder word that say than you might think, Stranger Things leading up to the big Stranger Things 2 debut on the 27th. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you as we are doing our Stranger Things rewatch watch through. Uh, and uh, tonight it's chapter two, The Weirdo on Maple Street. And we'll get into that momentarily. Want to say thanks to everyone who's joined us and downloaded. I hope you've checked out our Stranger Things expedition episode, big three hour jumbo episode uh, with myself and Shaz Bazaar and Steve Bennett on the road around North Georgia checking out filming locations for Stranger Things, and we had a great time. It has some of the funniest bits from Geek Out Loud um, in a long, long time. And we, and, and I appreciate everyone that has given some great feedback on that and, uh, and, and told us how much they enjoyed it. And I hope that you'll check it out and enjoy it for yourself if you haven't already. Our featured supporter for this episode and every episode of the Stranger Things Rewatch is Steve Bennett, who was the benefactor and producer for the uh, Stranger Things expedition. Steve is a uh, uh, illustrious member of Team Steve, and we really appreciate his support through patreon.com slash geekoutloud, as well as um, his support just morally, as he always gives moral support to the shows, and he's become a really good friend. Um, it's just me on this episode. Last uh, We kicked things off with Dave Jones being on, and uh, throughout the rest of the series, hopefully we'll have more people join us, I believe, on Monday for Chapter 4. It's Shaz Bazaar from Techno Retro Dads will be joining in and watching an episode with us, and uh, and hopefully we'll have a few more surprises along the way. Um, without further ado and and stuff, let's get right into this. Now, I have it zeroed out here. The counter is zeroed out. Uh, so basically, I've pulled up Stranger Things Episode 2, or Chapter 2, and um, <clears throat> I have it at zero, and I'm going to go one, two, three, play, uh, 
And when I say play, you click play because that's what I'm going to click play as I'm saying the word play. So here we go. One, two, three, play. And we have begun. There's the old Netflix logo to let us know that this is a Netflix special. When we last left uh, in chapter one, if you've been watch binge watching these things, you know we last left with the boys finding uh, Eleven out in the woods, and now they've brought her home, of course, to uh, <laughs> to Mike's basement. I did get a a a, a, a comment on Twitter. Uh, Dave and I were talking about um, what we thought was going on as things began to unfold with this show. And uh, let me see if I can pull it up here really quickly on Twitter at, at, at Geek Out Loud. Matthew Crisman um, at Twin Solos on the Twitter said, I think the sheriff and deputies are the kids grown up and time traveled to help their younger selves. That seems a little too deep, but that is amazing. That would make, uh, I, I feel like, well, Lucas, then we know who he would be. I would imagine Dustin would be the other deputy, but man, that would make Mike Hopper. But because of Hopper's backstory, I don't know that since we get so much backstory, I don't know that that could be the case. Um, it's a great theory and, and would be an interesting twist to everything. Um, and if it does happen, then I'm all I'm down with that. I think that's a great theory. But uh, right now, as it stands, knowing what we know about the end of the show and knowing what we know about Hopper's backstory, I'm not sure if it, it's necessarily um, going to be the case. Unless they go back before, you know, obviously, I don't know. See, it's a strange thing. I, it, it, it'd be interesting. Um, we didn't really talk much about the basement last night that these guys are in and, and what's going on. Every kid growing up, and, and at least in my world, <laughs> I love when Dustin... <laughs> knocks his hat off trying to show what she was going to do uh every kid had their own little space and um and it, and mike has obviously taken over the basement of their house as his own you know not that no one is allowed down there would come down there but it's obviously an area that not a lot happens except for what happens with mike and his buddies so it's kind of become mike's clubhouse we had places like this most of the time they were outside or maybe down the road at the yard i had a friend who had a um his his family they had like a tool shed in the backyard and behind the tool shed the back wall they had built on an extra little space where there was a door that we'd opened up and and it kind of became his clubhouse and so that's where we would go in fact um that's where my comic collecting began was in that little area back there right next to the dog pens as uh as we begin to kind of break out some comic books and look through them and and that sort of thing. So, um, so this it really fits. But now I don't know that anyone ever had a whole basement to themselves, especially if they had a brother and sister. But this family is doing pretty well for themselves in old nineteen eighty three. So the controversy has begun. Do we keep eleven? Do you know what's the deal here? And of course, um, Lucas is not in favor, as we'll see that, and that continues to be a thing that grows throughout. That that continues to go throughout the whole. Um, um, series, but th this this is an episode of discovery. This is an episode of trying to figure everything out and and get a handle on what's going on because you know we're still in the midst of the mystery. We're still in the midst of trying to figure everything out, and um, and I'm still confused as to Eleven's language ability. So if someone wants to help me out with that, if you've got a, you can tweet at Geek Out Loud or email geekoutonline at gmail dot com and um, 
because because that if there's any if there's anything that seems inconsistent about this show it's it's the way she communicates you know at one point she's pointing to herself instead of saying that's me you know then she's just using the colloquial night mike you know night mike uh mike mike <laughs> don't get stuck in it glossin don't get stuck in it um but we're also then told her story through tales of flashbacks and that sort of thing this is a your heart breaks for this child this is a tragic little child you know um and uh and and we begin to maybe get her origin down the road as as hopper and and joyce begin to look into things um but that is left a little bit uncertain so to speak there there's there is a there's still a question of, you know, when, and we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's still that question of, of where does exactly she come from. Um, but we know, but we also get to see what she had to go through. I'm interested in, in seeing, I don't think they show in this show her actual escape um, unless it happens when everything breaks down. You know, we, the, the whole series opens with the dude getting on the elevator and then, the monster from the upside down taking him. So I don't know if we end up there, if that's when she, if that's the same night she escaped. It seems like it is. It seems like everything kind of went down uh, at the same time. So we'll we'll talk about it more as we as we get in depth into the show. Um, have I mentioned? I don't know. And we didn't really talk about this with uh, Dave. But man, I love the eighties. I love the eighties. In nineteen eighty three. You know, from right there around 1982, 83 to, you know, just that 1987 is, to me, some of the greatest years in the history of my life and in the history of history itself. So, um, can't get over how good Winona Ryder is in this. She, she just acts very mental. She acts jittery and jumpy on top, and, but it's almost like in addition to not just because her son's missing, but like there's an added level of that, an added layer, um, based on what's going on with this. Jonathan is is becoming the rock here. You know, he's making breakfast as he often does. He's he's the one keeping things going, and he's the one keeping things, um, you know, as normal as possible. So this is this is the second scene we've really seen. Well, third, I guess, because he came and searched the house, um, you know, after after his scene with Joyce there at the actual police department. I'm talking about Hopper here. This is the third scene we've seen with them, and, and there just continues to be a level of understanding and knowledge between them. You know, Dave tended to think they dated. I tend to think that Hopper's not the type of guy that dates. He's kind of a love him and leave him. Um, because you do see he has a certain amount of charm when he can turn it on, as we'll see uh, in some future episodes. Um, but, uh, but this is, this is a weird line coming up to me. Um, when she says, don't you think I know my own son's breathing? I'm not a parent, so I don't know. Do, do you know, I would like to hear from parents. Could you tell if it was your child breathing on the other end of the phone? Um, could you, uh, could, could you do that? Someone in the chat who says this in the chat here, Tintun says, uh, that's not to be confused with Tupton. Uh, it says, watch Shawshank Redemption for a recreation of her escape. Eleven crawl through a river I don't even want to imagine. Um, three, that's almost three football fields. 
so uh it's possible um what's amazing and what they do so well in this show is because we keep we stay with Joyce we stay with Jonathan the thrust of this show is a missing kid in the 80s and in the 80s well and this is another thing Dave and I didn't really talk about in the 80s that's when stranger danger got very big and very popular amongst kids I mean we had safety videos about don't talk to strangers have a code word that your parents give someone if they have to come pick you up from school you know don't even trust people that say they know your parents you know make sure there's some some kind of some kind of code between you and your parents that someone else would have to give you that only you and your parents would know um yeah you know, Adam was a television movie all about a, a boy being kidnapped and that sort of thing and this was just um this was the really a thing that was on the forefront of kids and parents minds was this idea of being kidnapped you know and, and taken from your family um and so um and, and so to have that kind of the backdrop and a lot of these type movies or tv shows begin with that type of premise you know uh, something simple a boy is kidnapped or a boy is taken, you know, abducted. Um, well, abducted by whom? Well, how about abducted by what? Okay, well, is it just simple aliens? Is it this? And that's still the questions we have. You know, even here after an hour of watching the show, you know, we're, we're still getting to know these people and know these characters and, and know this situation. Um, and with Will making the call to Joyce and Joyce being convinced that it's Will, suddenly we recognize, well, okay, so Will has a means to contact, but there's still something else creepy going on. There's something beyond the natural happening. And and it just, you know, I, again, I was in from the first title sequence when when I saw those words come on screen, so I'm, I'm definitely invested. Um, but Mike now, with the with, with Eleven, he's, he's, he's invested as well, and he's invested in her. And so you've got these two diverging stories that are all part of the same thing. You've got the mystery of Eleven and the mystery of Will. So not only is there the abducted or, or the kidnapped child, there's also this, this mystery of the abandoned child or the orphan child or, or, or whatever should show up. And so it becomes, this, it becomes these amazing two stories that um, come into play. And Eleven, because of her experience she knows what's going on and that's the other thing is 11 really becomes the key not just in you know her experience but she knows exactly what's going on and in her unwillingness to fully open up or fully tell you know you've got to wonder what her plan is you've got to understand what what um or you've got to wonder what you know what was her end game obviously she found those boys but um what was her plan of just getting away altogether? Is she just planning on running across country? You know, it's even in 1983, you know, if you run into people, it's going to be hard to kind of keep the fact that you're hidden secret. Um, these people have everybody bugged. <laughs> I mean, the whole town is bugged by, by the folks at Hawkins Power. The government, I guess, I don't know. Again, they they seem to be interacting with the government, but they never they're never really clear on exactly who these people are. 
which is, again, why I'd love to see Mulder from the X-Files give a shout-out to Hawkins at some point. Um, <clears throat> and this is, these conversations, the fact that we're privy to the conversations between Hopper and the deputies, you know, where they don't know what's going on also kind of gives me an idea. Uh, <laughs> also gives me an idea these guys are not from the past. And... And the one deputy being such a doofus, just, yeah, there's no way. There's no way they're that clueless if they've come back. Unless they've come back to time and they're come back in time and their memory's been erased. Again, a lot of these buildings are at the exact same location, um, the Hawkins High and the Hawkins Middle. But there was some debate because we went to another school in Stockbridge, Georgia, where the the paint scheme, where, where it was said that because of the paint scheme and the way things were done is that was... That was a lot of their hallway sh shots. Um, the interiors here uh, were used there at the other school in Stockbridge. But what we saw at that school didn't quite line up. The colors were a little bit different. And they may have gone in and done some color correction. But as you hear Shaz and I con converse uh, on the Stranger Things expedition, we're not sure just how much they'd go back and digitally undo or redo or even, you know, do major color correction the way they would have to do with these stripes down the wall and that sort of thing. I get the idea that basically what you had is this part of the, this section of the building was used, this section of the building was used for uh, Hawkins High and then the other section, the gym, and then there's another section around the back of this school uh, that was probably used for the middle school. And it's just the colors are a bit different. Here you've got the orange and green color scheme and at the middle school you've got the blue and white color scheme. Nancy shows a little bit of heart here. You know, the, they do a good job of, of trying to make Nancy likable. I don't think that Nancy is unlikable. Nancy is at that point in childhood and growing up where she's trying to make a choice between being the good kid who she always was and having that attraction to these more perceived popular kids, you know, who are taking her into their friendship and that sort of thing. And you can see out those doors that right there, that is also across that parking lot over to the right from where we're looking now is, um, is the building that says Hawkins middle across the top. So, um, so yeah, we're still all in that same location on that same piece of property. <clears throat> Excuse me. The classroom shot here really evokes a lot of the E.T. classroom scene to me. Just, you know, you do have the teacher there in the background, though we do see him interact with him in this, especially everything's kind of down low on these kids' levels, on Lucas and Dylan's level. Um, and, uh, and and so we're, we're definitely um, kind of in the kids' zone, so to speak, a lot of the same way E.T. was. In fact... The only adult that you really see in E.T., you only you really see their face as the mom until the one scientist comes and um, interacts with Elliot about E.T. Eleven, again, part of the mystery of Eleven is just her ignorance seems too rough, but her naivete about everything. And her wonder at everything. Now, of course, she's never had a family, so, you know, <clears throat> she's never really seen anyone outside of all those scientists and everything. And uh, and so she's responding to actually seeing a happy family, 
you know, seeing adults actually smile with their kids because the only person she's known is old Papa, old Matt Modine. And, um, and, and we'll see as we go through her different flashbacks and one's actually coming up here pretty quickly. Um, we, we actually see, you know, that she didn't have any of these creature comforts. She's, I don't know that Eleven's had a day of fun in her life. You know, she's a, she's a, she's a test animal. She's a, she's a lab rat. And, um, and so what you've got is a completely normal kid thinking that he's dealing with a, with a bit of a normal kid. Who's just a little, just a little strange, you know? And, um, of course they have no idea what they're doing. They use flashbacks really well in this show, in my opinion, because they don't do the lost sound effect to a flashback. They don't do the, uh, you know, the doodly 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 fade into the flashback. They usually either lead into them or they cut right to them. And because of the circumstances, like, so there's Will with Jonathan listening to some, some good music. And, um, and what you see is a, is just, this is, this is where we get to these flashbacks at first or how we get to know Jonathan. And we didn't talk too much about him. I know in the, in the, in the, uh, in the expedition episode, uh, we, we talked about him being misanthropic, a misanthrope, which, you know, Hey, fun word. But what you see here is a big brother taking care of, um, taking care of his little brother who recognizes that, you know, he's got to be the man of the house, so to speak. And, and because he is open with Will and he's sharing his life experiences with Will and he's sharing music with Will, you know, that's, it's, he's a teenager and the stuff that's important to him, he's wanting to be important to his younger sibling as he comes along. Now, if you've ever had a sibling who is significantly younger than you to the tone of like seven, eight years or so, then you understand, man, here's someone I can actually influence and be a, be an influence on and, and get them into the things I'm into. And so, uh, in this case, it's the music and you see Jonathan just having fun and, and, and having fun with Will and, and it gives us a real good look into his person and, and who he is. Now this is downtown Hawkins, of course, in in Jackson, Georgia, uh, doubled as downtown downtown Hawkins. This is a drugstore that's there on the corner, across the street from the uh, from from the courthouse, which is the uh, which is the exterior of the library. Um, and I will say this: the shelves here a lot more well stocked than than the shelves of the store that we went into. That store now apparently just really makes most of its money off of uh, pharmaceuticals and the pharmacy in the back. And in fact, to keep they had to keep the pharmacy running. And so people would actually have to come to the back door to pick up their prescriptions and stuff, we found out during the shooting of, of Stranger Things. Uh, that glass case is still right there in the middle of the store. They don't really use it for anything but, but a display stand or two. And then across the way, you can see behind Joyce the cash register and everything, and that's where they actually do all the checking out and stuff. They had a, a TV, a small TV on a shelf playing Joel Osteen when we were there. And they sell a few merchandise. They sell a little bit of merchandise. They sell some Stranger Things shirts and that sort of thing. Speaking of merchandise, over on the uh, Goliverse Facebook group um, today, uh, 
someone posted. Let me find the post because it's it's definitely one that I'm like, well, now I've got to now I've got to go to Target. Justin Wiseman uh, has gone to Target and he's purchased uh, some Stranger Things action figures that include uh, all the boys and Eleven and uh, the monster and the demigorgon. I guess is what they what we've taken to call it. Um, they also have right now at Target uh, the Blu-ray of season one. And it's done in a package that is uh, VHS. It looks like a VHS tape. So, um, I've I've been thinking, you know, Stranger Things may be my new new go to collection. You know, <laughs> may be the new thing that I start to collect. Uh, I would. I, I am. I like these figures. They're very retro. They're they're very old school looking, and. Um, and the packaging looks great. It's got that great Stranger Things poster, you know, that looks like something Drew Struzan did, and he may have done that art. I don't know. I I, I think he's retired, but um, but yeah. This government, these government people, I just don't get it. I was getting confused with what. Um, there's the slime. That's what I was getting confused with. What Hopper found. Hopper never saw this there in the barn and Dave and I were talking about it. And this is the, this is the scene I was thinking of when they actually found, found that there, um, which is almost like the ectoplasm that lets you know that, you know, the ghost has been by that Yoda is a vintage Yoda. He still has his cloth cape. Doesn't look like he's got his snake around his neck or the belt that the little vintage Yoda came with, which is par for the course for a kid in 1983. Those were things that, a lot of kids lost, myself included. In fact, the Yoda that I played with for the longest time didn't even have his little um, cloth cloak. You know, it was just Yoda in his little brown under underclothes, basically. And, um, man, that was a... Dagobah, I think a lot of people think it's a lame playset. It's a playset I always loved because of the detail on the base of the Dagobah playset. You could see little rats and lizards and snakes all in it. You know, they molded into the base and... It had uh, boxes and a, a little tube you could stick under R2 and inside of R2 and put them on these little pegs that you pressed a rock down and they would lift up. And you could do, there was a thing where you could actually put Luke into a clip and uh, it was a rod that went through the cave and you could cause Luke to do a headstand and, and you know, and there he could lift stuff up. Don't miss the Dark Crystal poster on the wall of Mike's room. Mike is a kid of the 80s. He's a kid of 1983. And uh, loving all things 80s. Yoda is our first real Star Wars reference. There'll be another one, but I'll point out why that's a little bit of an, an anachronistic reference when we when we get to it. Coming up is uh, L, L, L11, 11's first real flashback, and, um, and we begin to kind of get an understanding of, uh, of what's going on with her, you know, I mean, at at the very least, she is in a you know a lab rat. At the most, she's an abused child, abused because of her abilities, abused because of what she can do. When she's with these boys, to me, she always there, there's an underlying wisdom because of what she's been through. That's very interesting. Man, this breaks your this Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven, is a fantastic actress. Like. This isn't just a child who was picked because she's cute. Um, this isn't just a child who's picked because, you know, she can 
she has some little one-liners. She she acts so very well. I mean, just this scene here where they've locked her into this room of like solitary confinement and she's freaking out and she's crying. It's just, but then when it cuts back to her in the closet, look at her there in the closet. It's just, she does, she's, she's fantastic. Um, just an amazing little actress and a great personality too. If you see her and some of these kids in interviews, you know, some of them are obviously, you know, just your regular kids who just kind of, you know, flow with the questions but she has a she has a great little personality we talked on the the last episode we talked about their mom being very engaged in in what's going on and wanting to be engaged with her kids and and wanting to be a good mom and and it's interesting here that she is understanding that she's not fully of course she's not fully understanding what's going on she doesn't understand that mike has a has a girl hidden in his room (laughs) But um, but she does understand that, you know, Mike's friend is missing and and he may not feel like going to school. Um, you know, that takes me back to like one of the first real losses that I remember when my granddad died. I remember waking up that morning being told that my my granddad had died and, and my mom's like, so you're not we're not going to make you go to school today. And um, and it was just so I wouldn't be sitting there and be all upset around people and friends at school and so his mom gets that and uh you know and even though she's wrong even though she doesn't really fully understand what's going on you've got to give her props for care i mean like as disengaged as the dad seems you know the mom is very engaged with her kids in a way she's not a helicopter parent by any stretch of the imagination but she is um she is engaged with her kids and cares. And, and so there, you never get the sense that there's any, we don't really meet Lucas's parents, which is weird, but you never get the sense or, or Dylan's parents for that matter. Am I saying Dylan? I keep thinking Dylan's the wrong name. Um, but you never, you, you never get the sense that the parents don't care, you know, or, or that they've been neglectful in any way, you know, and, and I think that's good. No one is really, no one who is supposed to be a good guy in this movie is really painted in a in an overly bad light. Um, the uh, the adults aren't painted as being, you know, jerks. Hopper, of course, has his foibles and stuff, but Dustin. I'm sorry. Why did I say Dylan instead of Dustin? Um, Hopper, of course, has his foibles, but you know, by and large, most of the adults that are in these kids' lives are painted as pretty good, you know, they're not bad, bad people. And I think that's a strength of this show. Now we're back here. The, you see the the wall behind Hopper over to, it'd be to our left, kind of right there next to his elbow. That's the brown of the walls of, of Tiffany's normally. That, that's the one place they obviously didn't paint. The rest of it, they painted over uh, the usual brown to be that that dingy gray of Benny's restaurant. Um, and of course, Benny's dead, and they tried to make it look like a suicide hopper. Not so sure. So Jonathan doing the rebellious teenager thing. You would think he's a misanthrope, but he's doing everything he can to try to find his brother, and he's listening to Hopper. He did listen to Hopper and realizes that, you know, Maybe this is the one chance I have. Raining outside. 
pay attention to that. Of course, you don't really know how long he's here, but it is raining when he pulls up. This is a good time to remind everyone that we're brought to you by Tops. Tops is the name in both sports and non-sports card collecting and trading. Tops.com is where you can check out all of their available card series, including Journey to the Last Jedi. It's a series that can that includes uh, includes cards from all across uh, the Star Wars saga, including the television shows Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Um, they also have the Star Wars Card Trader app, as well as apps for all of their different card sets, including baseball, football, hockey, uh, soccer, The Walking Dead, WWE, MMA. Check them out now uh, on your iOS or Android device. Visit tops.com to check out their online exclusive merchandise specifically. And, and by the time you hear this, there's just going to be a couple of days remaining on this. Tops On Demand set number 10, the Star Wars Rebel, Rebels Season 4 preview set. Um, you can get it now at tops.com while supplies last. It's only available for two more days or while supplies last. I'm being told that there's a guaranteed autograph card in each box that you purchase there at tops.com. We thank Tops for their support of Geek Out Loud. Back in the boys. Back with the boys now. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Lucas is the level-headed one. Lucas is the one who, you know, he's, he's, we need to be turning to the adults for help with this situation. We can't take care of a kid. Um, and Lucas doesn't put up with this. <laughs> he just slaps Mike's hand away. You know, he's the one, and, and he is the voice of reason. But there we go. There it is. The first time we ever find out and we realize. Now, we knew if you caught the... Uh, the fan situation, which I I didn't, as I said, on my first watch through, but we know there's something now we see it full on, um, that she's got some superpowers. So it's not raining. The clouds have passed. And, um, and I didn't know if that was going to be a continuity error or what, but yeah, they come right out to a wet car and everything. So obviously it stopped raining. This guy's a jerk, but I think he's supposed to be a jerk. I, let me take it back about all the adults. This is the one adult that's a true, true jerk. Um, you know, the teacher, their teacher is, is, is not painting a bad light. Joyce is a little bit off. You know, she's a little bit off, but she's not, she's not a bad person. This dude is just, he's a jerk. Uh, old Lonnie is, is just, a, just a jerk. Now, Lonnie's house was one of the houses we didn't go to. Um, people didn't want people going by there, so we avoided Lonnie's. Um, and as you hear, we couldn't get to Hopper's place uh, because it was we'd have been trespassing to have done so. Pull up some volume here for us. Let's get a little volume. And of course, he's with a winner, apparently. Bottom in the last few weeks. Now we're fishing little fishing down the Etowah is one of the references to a Georgia town. I don't know if there's an Etowah, Indiana, but they also mentioned uh, in the first episode they mentioned Cartersville, which is another Georgia town right up here in the North Georgia area. So um, Shaz had mentioned on the expedition 
that we may have, uh, that they may have un- not necessarily, those may just be little shout outs. There may be those places in Indiana. I don't know. I'm not a, I haven't done my Google research, but um, this is a pivotal moment because what it does is it sends Hopper looking for 11, thinking he's looking for Will. You know, Tony like I didn't get a good look at him. He was back in the kitchen. He looked like this? Oh, no. That's, that's Lonnie's missing kid. No, this was a different kid. This one had really short hair. I mean, it was buzzed nearly down to the scalp. Yeah, well, looks... You know, let's forget about the haircut. This kid had a buzz cut. Could it be Lonnie's kid? Well, I didn't get a good look at him. You know, that's a subtle thing um, that they they talk about him being Lonnie's kid. Uh, the, the, the man there talks about him being Lonnie's kid because, you know, we all know Will is Joyce's kid. I don't think that any viewer would consider Will to be Lonnie's kid, even though Lonnie is his dad. But that gives you kind of a look into the small town life of dudes. You know, the dude's like, that's Lonnie's kid, even though Lonnie doesn't even live around there anymore. Lonnie obviously ran with these fellas back in the day, and um, so they probably know him, and they know him as Lonnie's kid rather than saying Joyce's kid or the missing buyer's kid, you know, or that missing kid. Um, just a just a subtle, really good screenwriting thing, if you ask me, that they would kind of put that personality in into what's going on. Dustin had two bologna sandwiches for lunch. I don't know why. <laughs> um. Now here comes Nancy, mistrustworthy Nancy, going to the saying she's going to the assembly, of course, and getting ready to do that teenager thing of giving the old misinformation. And if you're a teenager out there and you're actually paying attention to this old man, pay attention to what's about to happen in Nancy's life, because this is why you don't want to lie, and, and you don't want two parties lying to their parents, because suddenly, uh, if something should go wrong, no one knows what's happening. Just a just a standard trying to help you out. <laughs> what a what a weird situation. I think we had chairs very similar to those chairs, by the way, in our dining room growing up. But we never used those. We used uh we we ate at the kitchen table a lot of times as a family. The dining room was reserved for uh special occasions. Just like the living room we didn't really live in. That um It looked to me in that shot that they were all kind of headed across rather than back toward the woods because I remember that rock, depending on, and I guess it all depends on the camera angle. That little rock formation the woman was walking on is more up toward the woods um, than, than, where those, than the direction a lot of those people were walking in. But it, it all depends on the camera angle. That guy was blowing a whistle, by the way. There's your Shawshank Redemption shot right there. Andy Dufresne was my friend. Even though he crawled through a river of stuff I don't even want to imagine. Three football fields long. Keep in mind, now, Hopper is, it's this great thing they do with the story here where Hopper's on the right track. 
looking for the wrong thing. He's been turned on to this kid being at Benny's that he thinks is Will because, you know, the dude just kind of barely got a look at the kid and he's thinking, well, someone's taken Will and shaved his head, give him the old buzz cut. And, um, and so, so he's looking for Eleven, thinking he's looking for Will, and being on Eleven's trail is putting him right in the crosshairs, or putting Hawkins, uh, Hawkins' power right in his crosshairs. And so this is where thing, and the story is woven so well to me that these threads, you know, that are all still very loose, you know, even now, less than two hours into the show, are starting to kind of come together a little bit. And if, and again, if this were a network show, it would have ended. the The pilot would have ended with you know some real real revelation about everything that's going on with us saying, now, how are they going to get out of this? Or how are our characters going to figure this out? They would have given us, as viewers, all the answers while the characters that we know and love are still in the dark. But that would have then given us different questions to ask and to try to bring us back. This this just works on a on a whole lot different level. I love, the re, I love Dustin's reaction there. I had a friend who tried to get me to spit swear one time, and I just thought it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, well, no, we're not doing this stuff. I'm so I'm glad pinky swearing has replaced the spit swearing. Pinky swearing not the manliest thing you can do, but uh, but a lot more sanitary than spit swearing. Another thing this show does well is I really thought this came later on. This this whole deal came later on in the series. You know, in my rewatch, I'm like, I thought this was around episode four, but I mean, they're getting right into the mess here with Nancy and Barb and Steve and and Steve's jerk friends. This road. That they're on. I, I think this may be the same road that the house is on, uh, because there is a small wooded area between Steve's house and then the next house down the road. Um, or this could just be a whole other side road. That you know, the the magic of the magic of movie making is this: is that Mike's house and Luca's house is in a completely different town than um, than where Steve's house is. And they're all in a completely different town than where when we see the big bike chase scene later on in the in the series where that goes down, where that happens. I get really uncomfortable with, with, with what they put Nancy through in some of these because, again, you got to keep in mind there's a teenage girl, and it's not, I don't know, I'm just not a, not a fan of watching a teenage girl, you know, the one scene where she takes her shirt off and stuff, it gets a little too much for me, if I'm being honest. If I have one criticism, it's that they they show a little much with what's going on. Don't mean to be a prude, everybody. It's just how I feel. Cutting back and forth to Hopper like this and in, in, in at his home, um really helps give you an idea of you know again not just not just his picadillos his foibles but um but these moments of quiet reflection like who is this woman like we never are really told who this woman is and um <laughs> and hopper trying to have a connection with the lady um it, it's like I don't know if she wants to have that connection, but but Hopper's just trying to figure things out, you know, like why in the world is this happening to me? 
I retired to this. I came to this small little town so that I could just drink and not have to worry about anything but a parking citation here or there or a speeding ticket, you know. Um, but uh, he's not into her, by the way. Just so everyone knows, just because he's with her doesn't mean he's into her. Sandra is her name. Now, is she the librarian? Did I just make a connection that I didn't make before? We'll have to see when they actually go to the library in a couple episodes. Remember that name, everybody, Sandra. Remember the name, Sandra. Lucas is so mean to her. They do, they do a good job also of kind of giving us Eleven's power set. She's telekinetic, but there's also some type of at least empathic telepathy going on where she has touched that and she knows, almost like Vibe on The Flash, she can touch that and knows that that, that was Will's, that Will has a connection to that piece, to that, to that character. Thanks, Al, for just throwing things off the board. And this is Al trying to explain, of course, everything. I don't mean to narrate what's happening. But again, keeping us as much in the dark as everyone else is within the show. Like, we're learning. Okay, so Elle knows where Will is. She flips the board over to say he's hiding. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's hiding from the Demigorgon. And this is why we call the monster the Demigorgon. And these guys know. Dustin is buying in. That, that's what I like is that Dustin is silent. He's silently bought into all this. Because there's a part of him that thinks it's cool that she has superpowers. And so when she says Will is hiding from the Demigorgon, he absolutely believes it. Again, there are woods... Uh, right near the house that is Steve's house, but they're not thick woods like this. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of misdirection with what's actually happening in, in Jonathan's location. Of course, he could have walked across the woods. He's not near Barb's car when he parks. But there is a little bit of misdirection um, as to where he's parked versus where he ends up, I think. I don't know that we ever really found the locations of the parking spots and that sort of thing. I don't, I don't know if the, uh, if the, if the old internet has gone that far, you know, the internet will do some things, but I don't know if they've gone that far with their, uh, with their tracking. There's a tire. I, that's apparently something I would have made a big deal of. Were I out taking pictures in the middle of the night? I'm like, Hey, look at this tire. Hey, y'all check this tire out. Y'all, what y'all reckons? You think anything's wrong with it? Doesn't look like it's flat. Should we take it? Because that's how I, I roll. I, I get really bored if we don't see something neat pretty quickly. This is behind. Maybe the woods are behind the house. I don't remember there being wood. I'm going to have to look at the pictures. Um, I don't remember the woods being behind the house like this. Let me see who's in the chat right now. Um, Pudding's Bane is here. Uh, Steve Bennett, are there... Are there um are there wood were there woods behind his house? 
because the the pool and everything is behind Steve's house. We couldn't see the pool. We couldn't see this part from the road. Um, okay, so they are there are woods behind the house. But I can tell you this: I don't know that I don't know that the road. I don't know that there would have been a parallel road close enough for him to run through the woods. That so anyhow. Um. Way to go, Nancy. Deep woods behind. Deep woods behind the house. Thank you, Steve, in the chat. I should have just called you up on Skype and had you sit through this with me on this particular episode. Deep woods behind the house. I like how Nancy is trying to... Like, she goes from wanting to include Barb to uh, to trying to... Uh, <laughs> peer pressure. It goes from... We just want you to be included to, all right, peer pressure. And of course, Barb, gosh. Barb is the most tragic figure in modern day pop culture. I'm just going to say it. Here she cuts herself and she's going to die. It's terrible. Spoiler alert. They do all get a little serious about, you know, things when she cuts her hand. I don't know how I know that I know that they had to have Jonathan do the picture taking stuff to for them to actually see the creature in the picture and that sort of thing. I totally get that. But I wish there was a less creepy way for him to have ended up doing it because this really this is what he does is is pretty creepy. And these kids, I you know, this makes me th these type moments here Barbara's cut herself. I guess I'm just, I've been the third wheel or the fifth wheel before who's just kind of sitting there while everyone else is having a good time. And I'm wondering what, what am I doing here? You know? And so I guess, and, and I don't know if all of, I'm not going to say all of us have been there, but I know many of us have. And, and it just makes me not like those kids and, and, and really gives me, I have a hard time, you know, being okay with Nancy and, and the person that she is. This is freaky. Uh, you know, Dave and I talked about, is this a sci-fi or a horror show? And I, and I try to explain to Teresa from Disney Vault Talk, I think this is more sci-fi than horror. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but these things on the, the, the phone moments, all the weird stuff on the phone is, is freaky. It is, it is freaky. And then, you know, when he actually says, Mom, he's on the other side of the game board. And, of course, it shocks her. She's going to have to smoke some of those camels that she got from the, from the drugstore to get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't like the, I don't like weird voices on the phone. The, the the flickering lights don't don't help either, if I'm being honest. See, don't like that. Not a fan there. But it's also, you know, what we see later on is is how people in the upside down do affect the lights. And so I'm assuming at this point Will is actually in the house in the Upside Down. And again, this is another moment. Like, i got to make sure we're watching Chapter 2 here. We are. This is another moment that I, I thought took place 
later on in the show than it does. But again, that's because this this thing moves very quickly and very tightly. Like there, there's really not wasted time with over with an overabundance of exposition or you know or, or too much talking here. We come to this point. Jaws poster in the corner, by the way. We come to this point with her, and she's understanding that something's happening. And is that is this where the yeah this is where the thing comes out of the wall? Because Will has now run away. There it is. Oh no, I don't need that either. Don't need that in my life. Mm 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 mm. I'm glad to see Joyce do what anyone would do in a horror movie when something like that happens. And it's not run to another part of the house or run upstairs. Not that they have an upstairs at this house, but to absolutely run out of the house and get in the car and um, be prepared to drive away. But now Joyce thinking like a mother. And I think that's important. There's a certain amount of bravery that Joyce is about to have to to tap into here, to do what she does uh, in this moment. Like, this is all Joyce knows to do to be there for her son. And so she's walking back in there. Regardless of what she's just seen, regardless of what she's just experienced, she is... She's going to be there if there's if it means she can contact her son. If it means she can contact Will, she is she's definitely going to be there. I just don't like these kids. This episode really caused me to be like I'm never going to be on Nancy's side. They they have to go a long way to redeem Nancy in this show for me and they do they do a good job of it but man I just um yeah and see again being that third wheel that fifth wheel and and trying to get her to make a smart decision and not a stupid decision And then Barb's choice to not go home is is not a choice of I want to stand here and see what happens. It's a choice of I'm going to stay here and be here for my friend. Um, Barb refuses to leave her friend's side, and that's why she's in a position to have what happens to her happen. Had Barb gone home, actually... There, there is also the argument to be made down the road, and, and I'll talk to people as we have them on the show about this. There's an argument to be made that Barb may have saved Will's life in this moment because Will um, Will is, is obviously there at the house, and when the thing tries to come through the wall, everything has gone dark, which means I think Will has gone to hide. But then when everything cuts back on, that's Will back at the house in the Upside Down. And so Joy, and that's what brings Joyce back in. The thing, the Demigorgon may have left from chasing Will to go after the blood, the blood of Barb. 
as it were. Um, because she was already bleeding. Now she wasn't outside. So I don't know, but there's there. You can make that. I think you can make that case. I think you can make that case. Tenton said this series of scenes gives me the heebie-jeebies as it does me, not only because of Jonathan's stalky nature, not only because of what's going on with Barb here and man, you just feel sorry for Barb and you really, gosh, I wish there was some way we could retcon in stranger things too and have Barb be okay, but I know we're not going to be able to, but, um, but you really wish, I really wish we could. And so, but it also, this scene also gives me the heebie-jeebies because of what's happening upstairs with old Nancy and Steve. Look at that shadow. No, I don't like that. Man. He, and just like any good horror slash mystery situation, the one witness who could have seen exactly what happened was looking down when everything went down. And by the time he looks up, everything's over and gone. Yeah, I don't like this at all. This is not... I don't, we don't need to see, this is the, the, okay, again, if I have one criticism of this show, it's that we don't need to see all this. We don't need to see all this at all. But what we're treated to is a cutaway with the lights coming on back outside. Barb is gone. And we are left to wonder, is she going to be okay? This is not a good time to be Barb. It's not a good time to be a kid in Hawkins, Indiana, either. Not with the old, uh, Old demigorgon stalking you. So that's chapter two of Stranger Things. I know it wasn't as interesting as uh, as with myself and Dave Jones. We'll hopefully have some guests on for other episodes. But man, uh, as a second episode, as far as a second episode goes, what this episode does so well is it continues the story, begins to fill in some gaps, begins to really let us get to know uh, who these characters are a little bit further, a little bit more than what we've already known them. And um, and it sets us up with that good cliffhanger that if you're binge watching, you keep on watching. You keep checking out because now we got to know what happens to Barb. Unfortunately, spoiler alert, it's not going to go so well for old Barb. Um, and that's unfortunate. The most tragic figure in modern day pop culture, ladies and gentlemen, old Barb. But uh, as this thing continues, it's going to only get more intense. Uh, it is fun. It, it, it does, and then there's moments that will absolutely rip your heart out as we get into it. But I'm looking forward to the rest of it. I know we've got our friend Shaz Bazaar coming on, and uh, I've reached out to a couple other people to see if they could come on and watch an episode with us as well. So hang in there and uh, be back tomorrow uh, as we watch Stranger Things Chapter 3 coming up tomorrow here on uh, on Geek Out Loud. Holly jolly. We get into the Christmas light situation. And uh, and that's pretty fun. We get another moment with Joyce there at the pharmacy and everything and uh, just ring it up. You know, that kind of stuff. So uh, I love this show. I'm, I'm having a blast. I hope you're having fun as well watching along with us. Um, be with us tomorrow. Uh, watch the Twitter at Geek Out Loud to know when we go live. I know it's football day tomorrow, but there's no real big games happening, so we're good. Uh, so, so watch the Twitter at Geek Out Loud to know when we go live. You can also watch at Goldiverse. If you want to email us, it's geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. I did, we have received um, some, uh, some emails, and um, Andrew Vassar talks about his, or Vosser 
has talked about his own personal Stranger Things expedition. We'll read that in a future episode. Let you know the stuff he saw and what was going on when he was there. And um, we'll get into uh, other stuff. I watched The Dark Knight Rises for the first time in a while the other night, and I'm kind of itching to talk about that and what it's like to revisit that after about probably about five, four or five years since I've actually sat down and watched it. So uh, all kinds of stuff coming up on Geek Out Loud. If you're listening to this live, in a few minutes, we're going to go live with Disney Vault Talk and talk Zootopia with Teresa and Sarah. And uh, if you're not listening to Disney Vault Talk, if you're a Disney fan at all, you should be. You can subscribe on iTunes, your favorite podcatcher. Leave reviews for us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps the shows out when you do that. Good reviews, I mean. None of this crappy bad review stuff. And uh, we greatly appreciate your help. Don't forget, you can use the Amazon links and the Entertainment Earth links and the Think Geek links over at uh, geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Right now, when you use the Fandango links that are there to purchase uh, Last Jedi tickets, you can, uh, you'll can you receive from Fandango a Last Jedi poster while supplies last. Uh, that's good until October 23rd, so just a few days left to do that. And don't forget about Tops, tops.com, and check out that exclusive uh, Rebels Season 4 preview set with a guaranteed autograph card in each box. I say that because I saw them tweet that out, so um, I- I'm pretty sure that is correct. Uh, we thank them for their sponsorship here in the whole Goaliverse. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. I hope you have a great one. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud, which will be tomorrow when we watch Stranger Things. Stranger Things.